Hey folks, Ben Blacker here. We interrupt your usual weekly Nerdist Writers Panel comics edition to bring you this bonus episode of the regular Nerdist Writers Panel, uh, a chat with the really lovely Davy Holmes, who has worked on Awake, Shameless, uh, Law & Order, Pushing Daisies, a whole bunch of interesting stuff. And we talk quite a bit about his pilot uh, that he did this year called Boomerang, which, um, when we talked about it, it was before the network upfronts, but now it is long after, and Boomerang was unfortunately not picked up. Uh, it really was a great read, uh, and uh, really the pilot turned out terrific, too. Um, so I hope you enjoy this chat with Davey. Um, coming up on the next regular Nerdist Writers panel, which comes out on Tuesday, is um, a chat we did live from the ATX TV Festival this year with Veronica Mars creator Rob Thomas and Veronica Mars co-star Chris Lowell, who played Piz. Uh, that was a lot of fun, so check that out. And then next Saturday, we return you to your regular comics edition with writer-producer Alan Burnett, who has written... He's been involved with virtually every DC animated project since Super Friends. Uh, that was a really fun chat that Heath Corson and I had with Alan. So look for that next Saturday. As ever, if you enjoy the podcast, please go leave a review on iTunes. It really helps us out. It helps the ratings. And, you know, every podcast we do benefits A26LA, the National Nonprofit Tutoring Program. Uh, so the better we do, the better they do. Uh, thanks so much. Glad you guys are listening to this. Now entering Nerdist.com. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel on the Nerdist Podcast Channel. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Writers talking writing can get pretty exciting. The talk can be lightning. It's very, very frightening. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Yeah. Because <laughs> now we're getting into it. Uh, you seem very uh, level-headed about things. You know, you talk to... People who have pilots in contention right now could mm -hmm. be nuts. I'm with Davy Holmes. Here, we're doing it. And Davy Holmes' mouth is full, but I'm <laughs> going to. All right, I'm going to temporarily shut my shut my put the cap on my plate here. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I've, I've met with so many people who had pilots, right? You know, I mean, this is what we do at this time of year: meet with people who've got pilots that they largely think that will be shows. I mean, in my experience, mostly, in order to get this far and to put this much work in, you have to feed yourself Kool-Aid <laughs> and tell yourself the show is going to go, yeah. or you just won't get it up to do all the work that's necessary. Yeah. So, but it's a little haunting to now be that guy because I think of all these people whose shows did not go who, when I sat down with them to talk about their shows, they were talking, you know, uh, as if, you know, when, when it goes, here's how I'm going to run things, and here's why it's going to be great, and here's like why said, you have to do to do the work. You here's what's exciting. Here, here's, here's why my show is a lock. Mm -hmm. It's because I've done this and this and this with it. And so there have been moments in this process where I've, heard others, or maybe even myself, talking like, well, clearly we know the inferences. Obviously, this will be on the air. <laughs> and uh, and I have to check myself and realize, oh, no, that's, that is not a sure thing. And the flip side is, uh, 
I, I, there was an article, I think in the New York Times or something, where they interviewed a bunch of people whose uh, shows had not gone hmm. and um, talked to them about how much it takes out of you and how heartbreaking it is. And I remember thinking, I would never, I would never tell myself it was going to go. I would never sucker myself that way. Right. Um, and now here I am, and, and I, I don't know. I'm trying to strike a balance. Yeah, it seems like you're keeping a, a careful emotional distance. Yeah, it's time for that. It's time uh, for that. And, yeah. and, and also, uh, you know, I, I get a spidey sense uh, sometimes about a situation like, oh, I think this is really coming together, mm-hmm. or I think this is no way happening. And this is one where I, I don't have any spidey sense at all. So, Interesting. So it, it would be... Uh, stupid not to be prudent am I <laughs> well it's an un- it is kind of an unusual pilot for network uh, and yeah. then, although not terribly it's for Fox right yeah it's not terribly unusual for Fox like it, I can see it fitting into their world you know it's uh, the net, the pilot is boomerang. Yes, um, and I said, "Come talk to me" because I liked it so much. <laughs> I foisted myself on you um, in in a couple lines. Just tell the listeners because they won't have read uh, it. Certainly, yes, it's a it humorous, uh, darkly humorous drama about uh, a family that runs a family business carrying out assassination contracts for the government, uh, and so. We're, as much as we're concerned with, you know, the, the the machinations of the CIA and who they're who they're killing that week, which bad guy they are taking out in the name of national national security, it's really about a family and it's about the petty, you know, grudges and pains and and uh, loves and alliances of a, of these family members and the people around them. Yeah, what's what I loved about it is this thing that. Uh, my writing partner and I always look for in scripts that we try to do, which is, you know, making the big small and the small big. Like, the family stuff is the most important stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, but these big life-and-death situations are like, yeah, this is this is what we do. Like, they're almost played for laughs. Uh, and I, while the stakes are real, you know, it's still not the most important thing to them. The important thing is... God damn it, my brother's back. It's, uh, you look to make the big, small, and the small big in, in a comedy script or in any script? In any script. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's... I love that. That's the stuff that's fun, right? I mean, I feel like it's... That's the West Wing. Right. You know? It's these things of national importance aren't quite as important as the emotional story going on between or, Josh or, and... Or Sophie. they can be... The, I think they can be as as important as they are, but, but that doesn't mean that that's your focus, mm-hmm. right? They're not in the foreground. Yeah. So you're... What's in the foreground, and, and that mirrors to some degree, I think, our own views of the world, which is that you know you have some you have important stuff, yeah. but then you have what's in your face, which is you know you know even if you're you know a, a general in the war room, at any given moment you might be thinking, did that guy just insult me? Exactly. And why the did they bring me human. a cold cup of coffee? That's <laughs> so annoying. It's like. Uh, that guy never liked that guy. I don't think he likes me. Wait, where are we? Oh yes, we're invading a country. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, totally. certainly for comedy, that's a great. Um, I don't know how that applies to drama. Well, it certainly but, makes the. I mean, in your script specifically, yeah. it makes the characters feel very human. You know, it's what's important to, about what's right. important to them. Right. Uh, tell me about developing the script. Um, I wrote a spec a couple years ago, maybe three years ago now, that. I sold to Fox, 
and that they were a little bit off schedule and they were just said they wanted to go direct a series with it and it was all very exciting and we attached uh, Jake Kasdan who's a wonderful director and we even started prepping and then it all fell apart and, and it was a long drawn out process where we went we went to different studios and it just kept we kept not setting up the the last bit of it uh and we lock, we we didn't get it together in time to keep Jake Kasdan on the project, so we had to pull everybody back from Arizona where they were already prepping oh, to wow. shoot, and it just died with a whimper, wow. and was was depressing. But also, I was sort of encouraged that Fox seemed to get the tone because mm-hmm. the tone was weird. The tone was not. It, I think this is sort of writ larger. This one. It's a little more in primary colors. This this latest one, but mm-hmm. but the other one was was a sort of darkly comic thing about a uh, a politician who was meant well, but was essentially corrupt and being corrupted more all the time, mm-hmm. and telling and justifying why it was okay because it was all for the good. And Fox, you know, it seemed crazy that they would ever make it, but they really did try. I mean, they really tried. And uh, so I was encouraged by that. And then um, I went off and, and wrote something for FX, and I wrote some pilots for other people. And then I came around, and Fox said, why don't you try one? And essentially, they said, why don't you try something in the assassination, in, in the hitman uh, oh, uh Story area. So this was actively something they were looking for, at least actively something they thought that the mix of of my tone and mm-hmm. that story area might work. That's and so I, in my, at this point, was very late in the game, and in the season, mm-hmm. and my agents were not bullish about this coming to anything because it was just they said, "Oh, it's a terrible way to try and get inspiration is to have them <laughs> the last minute come to you and say do something like that." But I spent the weekend thinking about it, and then I thought, what if it was a whole family? If it was a whole family, and you really focused on the family instead of on the procedural aspect of it, that could be fun. Except the problem is, it's not. A, it didn't sound like a drama anymore. It sounded it sounded more like a comedy. But I pitched it, and they bought it, and I started turning in these outlines that were humorous, and they fully got on board. I mean, not only that, they were pushing it. They said, uh, look, you know, I happen, this is me talking, I happen to like Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I think it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, but they said, oh, you know, we get the gag, the Mr. and Mrs. Smith gag, but you got to go, it's a TV show, it's, we've got to be more invested in the characters, so it's got to go deeper than that. you got to ground it more. Mm-hmm. And I said, great, that'll just make it funnier, really. Absolutely. Uh, so their notes were, were great along the process. They were pushing, and in fact, just before we started shooting, I had I had a couple of like uh, set piece action scenes, one big shootout at the end of Act Two, and I got the note right before we started shooting saying, "We think you have too many shoot 'em ups. Take one out and just have a character uh, uh, conflict. Have have an <laughs> and argument." This was not a budget conversation. It wasn't a budget thing, and everybody everybody who read the rewrite said, "Oh, clearly, so you had some budget issues." <laughs> no, they they're they're we did not run out of money. Uh, it's that was that was literally really their cool. feeling that we were we were 
not uh, telling the audience what the show really was. We mm-hmm. were pretending. And they also said, look, at this show, no one's going to come to it to watch. Uh, you know, the the it's not that people won't like action scenes, but it's not, they're not going to tune into it expecting to follow the thriller of the the plots of the CIA. It's not Alias. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not 24. 24. It's not 24. So don't pretend it's 24. And that doesn't mean we can't have great set pieces and action and, and, and tension that comes from mm-hmm. that. But so yeah, we rewrote that and, and shot at the last second. And, and I and I love I actually love that adjustment. That's um, really cool. Uh, so and in, and in every step, I mean, it all happened very fast. I, I wrote mm-hmm. it late in the season, and it. How late is is late in the season? You know, I. You like to have something in before Christmas, mm-hmm. and in fact, we uh, I turned in an outline right before Christmas. And uh, they gave me a note that essentially would have meant starting over from scratch. And I fought back, and I argued, and I, and they backed off. Everybody said, "All right, if that's what you want to do." And then I went to bed that night and woke up the next morning and realized, "Oh, they're all right. They're all right. It's actually I do need to do what they're saying." So that exploded the whole outline. Wow. So I went into Christmas really with nothing. Yeah. And had that's really that family staying with me and was trying not to. <laughs> You know, be preoccupied the whole time. So really, it was in the new year where it came together very, very fast, and that's very late. Yeah, that's very. And um, and yet you wound up with a terrific cast too. Well, you know, I mean, very late in terms of handing it in, but then when they expressed interest in, they seemed very interested. So then the rewrites happened quickly, and then we got. So it happened fast before the order to pilot. Mm And then we were right with everybody else. Or, you know, pilots ordered, and, and uh, suddenly you're fighting for actors with everybody else. Yeah. And, and we uh, got it quite quickly. We made, you know, you know, quite quickly we sort of honed in on who we wanted and, and got it to them and, and didn't get a lot of no's. We, you know, it's one thing that I'm very proud of about, the, about this whole project is that we... We knew, you know, we, we singled out actors that we knew would be just fantastic for it, and then we were lucky because they said yes, yeah. and and um, so we had our we had our regulars relatively fast. Mm-hmm. Um, That's great, and uh, and really, it's been a race ever since. You know, the yeah. shooting quickly and cutting it very fast, and uh, just handed in the final cut uh, last end of last week mm-hmm. in the series document where it's all headed. Nice. And how are you feeling about it? About, I you mean, know, are you happy with that cut? Are you happy with uh, yeah, I, I am. what the series could be? I'm really, I, I really am. I'm, and I'm really proud of all the, all the, the work of all the people that everybody put in, sure. you know. I, uh, it, maybe one of the most fun things is when you love something that you didn't imagine going in mm-hmm. that somebody else brought to the process that the director brought to it, that somebody on the creative production side brought to it, that an actor brought to it, that the editor brought to it, uh, there can be really happy surprises. Um, and I am proud. And, and then there's things that I'd like to change that I wish we'd done differently or that you know I've been trying to avoid and didn't avoid certain pitfalls. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a sneaky suspicion that if we don't go... Uh, some of the things that drive me crazy, they won't be the reason that we don't go mm-hmm. to series. 
and I have a sneaky suspicion that the things that I really love, some of those may, if we do go, won't have been the things that won the battle. Right. That my concerns are different from the concerns that, that my concerns in, are sometimes different and in some ways different from the concerns of uh, the people who will get into a room sure. to make the final call. Sure. Yeah. And, and who knows what their concerns are. I mean, they address as much as they can during the process, but there's a, you know, in there's the end, a lot of so moving parts. Yeah. And, and, and it's not... It, I think really the people, only some of... I only know some of the people who will be in that room making yeah. the decision, but I think that largely everyone's quite upfront about the fact that there's there's qualitative uh, factors, and then there's, you know, a lot of business decisions that have to be. Absolutely. Just the way when you're casting someone or when you're looking, choosing writers on a staff, you have to factor in all kinds of crazy things. Yeah. I always want to chase after. You get you get brilliant actors sometimes who come in and are immediately wrong, right? They're just, yeah. you, as soon as they start talking, you realize, oh, not for reasons X, Y, and Z, can't use that actor for this part. But sometimes I'm also thinking, oh, but I'd like to write them a show or I'd like to write them a role or I, yeah. I need to write this person's name down so that I can keep them on in my mind because they're fantastic. And usually that information, I don't even know if it reaches them. I don't run after them and say that. Right. I say it to the casting uh, agent who probably doesn't pass that along or, or does, but... But the agent who gets that information gets bullshit along those lines exactly. all the time. So that actor just goes thinking they didn't get the role, and 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 I uh, I just hope you know that they understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, they all listen to this. So, so it's the same thing <laughs> on every level. It's like of that course. for for me, and it's like that for this show. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are kind of generally speaking? What are some of the Rules or pitfalls or things to strive for, anything on that spectrum, uh, when writing a pilot. You know, what stuff that you've experienced that you've kind of learned with subsequent pilots? I mean, I've really... Um, I, you know, I felt good about that, that first pilot. And mm-hmm. it, pilots are a great chance to do what you want to do. So that's that's what's to me fun about it. Mm-hmm. And I've written a lot of scripts that didn't sell, and a lot of scripts that are no good over the years. And usually, I was trying to I was trying on a hat that didn't really fit. I was trying to do something that I thought was commercial. I was trying to do something that I that somebody else does very well, but that isn't really who I am. It's not my voice. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes I was trying to do something just to experiment, and that's great, but it, it didn't it wasn't a right. experiment, a successful experiment. Uh, and on the last batch of scripts that I really feel good about, I, I've uh, just tried to make sure that it was entertaining to me, and that I would watch, or at the very least, that I was amusing myself and entertaining myself and, and engaging myself. That must that's difficult to do though. I mean thing of boomerang specifically, but I'm sure other stuff that you've written when you know, you know you're writing it for a network or for a studio. You know, it's not just a yeah. spec. You, you uh, gotta pilot. you gotta believe that your 
that your voice is compatible with the brand uh, of the play, of the venue you're paired with. And I have never written a pilot for a venue that I didn't think that you know was compatible. Mm-hmm. And I um, and I certainly have been on shows where I didn't think that my voice was compatible with the, the voice of the show. And then I, I you know, just spent the whole time trying to squeeze myself into that box with success or without success. Mm-hmm. And, um, and usually that wasn't fun by and large because I, I felt like, you know, uh, what I do well wasn't useful to anybody else on the show. Hmm. There have been a couple times when I did a show that's unlike anything I would have ever done on my own like what well pushing daisies was was different than and and what i was going to say was in certain cases that was a great gift Mm -hmm. because it actually was just a it it still somehow was a wonderful thing to be a part of even though it was so different from anything i would have thought Mm -hmm. of and actually pushing daisies i think I, i learned a lot in terms of trying stuff out and and uh trying different Tonalities that I, I didn't have in my writing before, and certainly working, watching a writer, uh, Brian Fuller, who created it, and yeah. Peter Aka, who's co running it, these guys just sort of, um, you know, indulging parts of their imagination that uh, cr- led to work that I, you, that I had never seen before, something original, something that felt really original. Yeah. Although, uh, and I'm pushing these as one I want to talk about a little bit, yeah. because looking at the stuff you've worked on, um, it doesn't seem too far afield from maybe what interests you or, or what you tend to write, in that there was a dark comedy to it. Yeah. You know, it's very much about the characters uh, trying to get through their lives while big stuff happens. Um, you know, so so there is that. It felt like something like Law and Order, which was the yes. early credit. Yeah, must have been a much harder box to fit yourself into. Uh, I was hired on Law and Order by uh, a playwright, Eric Overmeyer, who oh, sure. was wonderful, and I was already a fan of his. And that meeting when I went in to meet with him uh, was easy for me because I I, I was genuinely you know excited. Yeah. About his work, I don't think I'd seen any of his Law and Order episodes, but I I already knew he, you know right. I I if, if I'd read if not performed in college you know his <laughs> plays I mean, I was I was a fan, um, and I was just desperately excited and grateful to have a job and to break into television, and. Uh, and then it was an interesting training. It really was. I mean, uh, you know, he let me get away. I think with a, with a, putting a lot of stuff in that wasn't necessarily in your average episode of Law and Order. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of that got cut out before it aired. <laughs> uh, but it was it was an interesting training in terms of how to put that puzzle together. That is that kind of procedural. Sure. And how to keep the ball rolling down the hill. Um, and I think it taught me things that were useful even in the way I write now. I mm-hmm. think uh, it certainly was helpful to getting me a career jump started because it was a credit that people, you know, people, instead of just seeing an artsy playwright, they said, oh, well, he's clearly got, he can, he can do that other thing. Right. So it was hugely helpful that way. I mean, yeah. it was a great first job. How long were you on? There, I did two seasons oh, on okay. that show. Um, 
and uh, the show went through some changes while I was there, uh, both both in terms of staff and sort of what the uh, creative direction of the show was, and hmm. and uh, I, that was uh, a little unsettling. Some of the uh, sort of trying to 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 stick with the shifts in approach to the show, but I think that happens a lot. A lot. Well, it's a long-running show. I mean, yeah. at that point, it had already been on for what fifteen years or whatever. Yeah, it's, uh, no, it's, it's not like, unexpected. I I never felt um, oh, this is my voice, and I'll be doing this. Sure. This is this is I found my home. Mm-hmm. I never felt that way. Mm-hmm. And I worked with some writers. The writers who did the best work there, it was much closer to what they uh, actually I think would write on their own. Yeah. Um, there was there was a few who who really transcended the some of the limitations of that show and and, and you know came up with material that was some was meaningful on some level and, mm-hmm. and I don't think I ever got there. <laughs> no, but, but you know that also wasn't your job there. You know that's your your first writing job, right? Is yeah, those first a, bunch you are there to learn for the most part. Well, there's no writers room on that show. Right, you're, you're pretty you're an independent uh, unit. So you're only as bad or good as as you. Are. I mean, to some degree, you've got a lot of guidance. You know, I was being told do a story, something about this, but mm-hmm. but um, no, it was it was actually great because because in a way you can take the ball and run with it mm-hmm. even as a young writer in a show like that. Absolutely, you no, know, that was our experience on Supernatural. There's uh-huh. no writers' room, and man, is, is, is it a story? As episodic, it's not yeah. a serialized show. It's mildly serialized. Mildly serialized. But okay. The showrunner took care of that stuff. Okay. But it was like we broke the same story over and over until we found the thing that hit. And yeah. That is what we'll take from that show forever. Yes. You know, we know how to break story in that kind of procedural way now. Uh, but then you kind of went on to work on a couple of other procedural types, right, before landing at uh, well, Pushing Daisies, which seemed to kind of open things up. Well, I think I had a weird... So I did a brain surgery show called Three Pounds was the next one. And that was, it was a, that was, I don't know, I guess it was a procedural, but it had a lot of elements to it. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of different, uh, had a serialized element and then it had a sort of uh, fantastic imagined element where you would, there were, where you'd sort of go, you'd sort of have scenes that were through these, through the eyes of characters who had funny things happening to their brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a conceit that made that kind of imaginative and, and, and fun. And then and then the right off that, I had some overlapping jobs that were completely different uh, in treatment, uh, which is, you know, as different a format as you can get from, yeah. from everything else, and damages, uh, and, uh, and then another show. They, they all overlapped... And they were all wildly different. And so to go from in-treatment to daisies was a kind of a whiplash shift of tone. Sure. Um, but that's, you know, I think that's what most writers don't want to just do one thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, unless you find your voice and realize this is where I'm really, this is where I excel. But mm-hmm. I, I was casting about mm-hmm. still. So <clears throat> There's also, and this is something that doesn't get, we don't talk about very much, but you know, when you're on these shows for a season or two, and then another show that doesn't last very long, 
you know, talk about the writer's life in that time. If you can bring yourself... Were you married at the time? No, I was not married. That's um, good. Yes. That makes uh, it a I didn't little safer. Oh, and I didn't have any kids, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I've just... just I've got now a three-month-old daughter. It's my first oh, wow. baby. And while it's crazy because I have a pilot at the same time... <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it might have been harder earlier on in my in my career. Absolutely, I think. and and you, I think that's why you've got so many people in this town who are having babies in their forties. You know, it's, yeah. it's it's tough to it's tough to pull off earlier. I mean, yeah. people do, but yeah. I, I. But you're finding a little stability by that time, especially as a writer. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, not necessarily, I guess, but yeah, yeah. at the very least, you've. You've had enough time to sort of creatively experiment and figure out yeah. where you're coming from. And were you doing that in this time, you know, when you weren't when I, you were landing on shows for a few months at a time know, or a year at a time? It's very tough to go to go off when you're on staff to go off and write your own thing because sure. you don't have much of a hiatus. It's it's almost impossible to be writing scripts uh, for somebody else's show and, and at night going off to write your own script and come out with a, a whole script. Although that's really, I say it's almost impossible, but that is what you have to do. Right. If um, you want to have your own show or your own material. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and then you might get a hiatus, but often it's two weeks. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the really, really tricky part. And, um, and it, you know, even veteran writers... Who are often the ones in that situation where they're they have a lot of responsibility on a show, but the the network or the studio or somebody expects them to every year to come up with yeah. another another pilot. Uh, it's hard for it's even hard for for veterans to yeah. do that. Well, and it's sort of the blessing and the curse of these studio deals or network deals, right? Is you're expected to generate material, but you're also if you're not doing it, especially now, they're going to show. They're going to throw you onto an existing show. I've never sought a, an overall mm-hmm. um, because I just hopscotched around and been afraid that the show that you know my my goal is always to try and do a show, and I've and I've not always succeeded to, to to be on a show that I would actually run home and watch. Yeah, and it's that's you know. When you just are trying to get a job, that's that's hard. That's hard to to try and uphold that standard. Um, and usually, there's even if I wouldn't run home to watch it, there are someone I'm excited to work with, or there's a, a genre I'm excited to try. It's always somebody that is exciting to 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 collaborate with. Sure. But um, to, to actually try and have it be something that you know you want to do. Uh, it's tough if you're if you've committed to one studio or one network. Mm-hmm. Um, your options are that much more limited. Mm-hmm. So that's always made me worry about overall deals. Overall deals are nice, obviously, because they're guaranteed income, right. and income is great. <laughs> <laughs> Writers, if you learn nothing else, income is pretty great. Uh, and I'm kind of a whore. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I say if if I have any window of opportunity, then I usually yeah. You know, either say yes or give it a really hard look. Yeah, just because I love the work. Sure, yeah. I, you you do seem like a guy who enjoys the work. You know, even just talking to you for this half hour. You know, we we I talk to writers who dread going into that office and having to face the computer. They love the room, maybe, or they love production, 
but having to stare at the computer and type the words. Uh, no, I don't really like writing that much. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, I there's aspects of it that I love. Mm-hmm. I love having a cup of coffee and and kicking around new story ideas. I love uh, polishing scenes once they're, the work's really been done and sure. sort of telling myself, "Oh, I figured it out. This is how <laughs> this is how writing is done, and I figured it out, and I'm so clever." But really, those. That's just selective amnesia. When, right. To not remember the horrible stretches of, of late hours where I was writing really shitty stuff uh, or not writing shitty stuff, just staring at the wall. That's not... That's really not fun. It's addictive on some level, obviously, because it's what I'm doing with my life, but uh, it's not It's not the fun part. Right. <laughs> sure, and I like people, right? Uh, you know, I do, and 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 I, and yet I'll go. You know, I can go weeks without leaving my house and my property. It, it, no, no, I, I'm not kidding. I mean, weeks. So that's not the most social. <laughs> no, no, it's better. But let's put you in a room. <laughs> that seems safer for yeah. all of us. I mean, it's a great thing about about TV writing is you Absolutely. is you. You are exposed to other humans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, we've talked to a lot of, like, feature writers who made yeah. the jump and were first just dumbfounded. Yeah. Uh, but finally just became addicted to that collaboration and, you know, all of that. Let's talk about uh, Awake for a second. What what buttons did that push for you? What did you take away from that show? That was a, one, you know, I mean, Kyle is so talented and part of what was exciting about that was it was it was pretty far out it was a lot of different things that show could have been Mm -hmm. and um, that made it both exciting and very challenging because every writer when it's not exactly nailed down when it's when it's a show that where the idea is that new then every writer in the room has their own take on what that might be and so, and you had very different writers in that room. I mean, everyone sort of accomplished, not sort of, everyone accomplished in their own yeah. uh, track. And, and it became tricky to sort of try and juggle everybody's vision of, of what the show was. Uh, to me, on that show, what I kept coming back to and, and felt was the real strength, I mean... There were a couple different strengths, but but one was just Kyle's voice was so interesting and so smart and so clear that no matter what we were arguing about or talking about in terms of the structure of a story, when he got a hold of the scenes, they really came alive. Uh, and so that was, I think he he helped set a bar for for what that you know show wanted mm-hmm. to be. Um, the challenge was. Yeah, there were. There was a. It was an incredibly ambitious uh, concept, and and it, and it involved, you know, two realities, and you didn't know which one was a dream and which one wasn't. And uh, there was for network. It was very challenging because uh, in both realities, our hero was bereaved. Mm-hmm. So they're very conscious on the network of not being depressing uh, on on broadcast shows, and it was very tough not to be. Depressing, for at least moments, uh, you could argue that that's conf- that's great emotional conflict too. But you know, we were trying to draw an audience in, and so that was that was uh, 
a real trick. And I, mm -hmm. I think, uh, by and large, Kyle did a really great job of, mm -hmm. of, uh, of, of making that hurdle. And Howard Gordon, who's, uh, who is obviously you know, hugely accomplished and wonderful at, at uh, helping a story you know, really take on energy and, and movement. Mm -hmm. uh, so I won't, I won't, I won't uh, stand back and decide whether that was a success or not commercially. commercially <laughs> well, it, was, it, it certainly was interesting, you know, and, and I really enjoyed it. I watched all of them. Um, but it was certainly interesting because network TV can be such a blunt instrument. Yeah. Right? And to try to put a show with any kind of nuance in there, uh, whether it's emotional or and from a storytelling aspect, can be really tough. And it's something I think about for Boomerang. Right. You know, there's there's emotional nuance in there. Right. And you wonder if they're going to become broad characters. You know, right. they're going to become 24, or they're going to become modern family with guns. Right. Um, this has to be something you think about moving forward. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Alright, I'll let you go. Um, before you go, what are you watching on television? What do you get excited to go home and watch? Well, I'm a little bit behind, but I'm certainly watching uh, Game of Thrones. I'm excited to get back into Mad Men. Uh... That's all I'm watching right now because I'm watching dailies and cuts and, yeah. and everything else. Well, good luck. I hope people get to see it. It's, uh, it's a terrific pilot. Thank you so much. Really cool. It was great to meet you. Thanks for doing this. Now leaving Nerdist.com.